0: Thank you for listening to the Fearless LA podcast. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. And then I'm going to read back in Acts like we did earlier. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Come on, First Peter 2, 9, what a great verse. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a priesthood that are kings, that means you are the king's priest, wow. right? So, so we, we are here to serve him as priest for God. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, Amen. that you may proclaim the excellences of him who called you out of darkness and in to his marvelous light. I, I want to talk to you today about Born for Greatness. You were born again for greatness. I, I, don't, I don't know what life handed you, but when you received Jesus into your life, the Bible says that we're born again. And so we're going we're gonna to label that born again as born for greatness. In the past, I may have been born for a lot of things, or I may still not have figured that out, but from here on out... I may be 40, I may be 30, I may be 50, but from this moment on, I'm going I'm to remind myself I was born for greatness. I'm a chosen race. I'm a, I'm a royal priesthood. I, I, I'm thankful that I have a pastor, but I am the priest of my home. I am, I am the leader of my environment. I am the leader of my workplace. I, I'm a priest. That means I do what a priest does. I minister, I I disciple, I worship, I give. I'm a living sacrifice. This is me being born for greatness. You don't have to go accomplish something huge to be born for greatness. You can just live a normal day-to-day life realizing who you are. That you are a priest. You are a king, a priest. You're a holy nation. In, In other words, you are set apart. God has set you apart as holy Uh, you know what's so funny about the person who was worried about me wearing a hat he was more concerned about the building being holy than the person wearing the hat he was willing to put down the person wearing the hat to build up the building this is what we do right because we think that the the building is holy so here we are in the building we gotta gotta act holy we gotta be holy no you're holy when you catch that you're holy If I can't wear a hat outside the room, I shouldn't wear a hat inside the room. It's not about the room. I am the room. (laughs) The church is here not because a sign was put up or because this is a church. In fact, this is not a church. (laughs) We've been in several places that are not churches. (laughs) We went to a a not church that had beds in it and, and preached the gospel there. It was a club that had beds in it called the Supper Club. They said, Pastor, it's the only place that can open to us this weekend. I said, well, great. I'll preach about the man on the bed. Just make sure you rope him off so no one sits on the beds. We don't know what's on the beds. Right? So, so, that, so that room wasn't the holy thing. It was when the holy people of God entered the room. You are holy. You are, why do I need to know this? Because then you can if you know who you are you can start treating yourself as he sees you you are set apart for god look everything is not for me because he has set me apart and just because the door opens doesn't mean i walk through this is like the women in the room just because every man says you're beautiful doesn't mean he's your husband right no i'm set apart of course you think i'm beautiful of course you think i'm amazing Every door that opens to me is not mine. Just because it opened doesn't mean it's mine. I'm not desperate seeking an open door. Doors open because I'm holy. Doors open because I'm set apart for God. And just like doors open, doors close. Doors close because I'm holy. Doors close because I'm set apart. I can praise him for open and closed doors because I'm holy, not the door. The room isn't the holy place. I'm the holy thing. God has set me apart. I'm holy. Now, you may not feel holy, but we're not going to work based on our feelings. I don't feel it. Oh, it's okay. His word says it. Maturity is when we start living off his word, not our feelings. And and, and, and I don't want to just be mature. I want to be wise. Right? Time without living out truth equals old right? If you just grow in time, you never live out truth. You start looking older. But, but if you start living out that truth, you start looking wiser. Some people you see, you go, man, they look old. Some people you see and they're old, but you say, wow, they look wise. What is the difference? One lived out time. One walked in truth while they lived out time. So we're going to be a group of people that just doesn't just go through time and keeps ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. No, we're holy. We're set apart. We were born for greatness. So I'm going to listen in time to the direction that the Lord is leading so that I don't just age. I become wise. You're not honoring me because you're like, wow, you're 40. Great job making it there. You, you want to honor me because you're like, wow, in 40 years, we love the life that you've lived. Now, I haven't lived it perfect, but for the most part, I'm saying, God, every day, help me to, to listen to your voice. I am pursuing that. And people are looking at your life because you're pursuing that. They're not looking at your life because you just made it through time. They're looking at your life because at 21, you have the wisdom of a 41-year-old. And they're like, there's something about you. Um, so we're going to, and then because of this, we're God's possession. I I don't need to be possessed by anything else than him. I want to be possessed by him. I want to be owned by him. Fear doesn't own me. If you're possessed by God, you cannot be possessed by two things at once. I'm not possessed by depression. I'm not possessed by anxiety. I'm not owned. I'm not owned by my season. I'm not owned by my circumstance. I'm not owned by my fear. I am possessed by God. We've, we talk about demon possession, but we don't talk about holy possession. Right? We're like, oh, they're demon possessed. Well, I'm holy possessed. What's wrong with you? I'm possessed. Right? I want to be possessed. I want to be possessed by the Holy Spirit. You're like, oh, you can't say that. Well, sorry. That's what the Bible says. I'm owned by him. I'm possessed by him. Wow, you're so passionate. Well, I'm sorry, it's not my fault. I'm possessed by God. I'm possessed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not in control. I've released control. I've laid down my rights. I've given up being what I want to be. And I'm saying, all right, you, you, you possess me. The good news about being possessed by God is you don't have to make a lot of decisions for yourself. You just have to lean upon his understanding. Say, wow, well, I don't get it. Okay, great. That's not my own. I'm not possessed by myself. I'm possessed with you. Right. And and then we're going to we're going to proclaim the excellence. This word proclaim is to worship. We're going to be worshipers because he's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. So today, of the values of fearless, I told you this last week, there are 10 values that we hold dear at fearless. Um, I'm going to put them on the screen. I'm not going to even read them all. But today we're going to focus in on one of the values. See, there's 11 things there. Well, 10 of them are values and one of them is our mission. Our mission is to be fearless, which means really to us to love more and fear less every day, love more and fear less. love more and fearless. You could be more fearless loving someone that's unlovable. It, it, to heaven's perspective, you might be more fearless doing that than skydiving. In fact, more people skydive than forgive their enemies. <laughs> right? So, I mean, I'm all for if you want to skydive. I say, Pastor, at 40, do you want to skydive really break that fear? Now I want to love my enemy. Come on. That's so good. That's <laughs> right? Because that's a lot harder to do. <laughs> but, but, but I'm going to walk with them I'm going to love more and fear less. That's our mission. We're going to make this our life mission. It's simple. It's easy. You can do it every day. I'm going to love more and fear less. I'm going to love more. It's attainable for everyone in this room. That's going to be our mission. But these are going to be our values. I told you the other week, any, any company that is great, has great values. And that's through all the company. I went, I went on a, a Delta flight and I, I, I went up to the lounge and my daughter had to go use the bathroom real quick. And the bathroom was before you checked in. And I let her go to the bathroom. and The lady started yelling at me. I said, "Ma'am, it's just a little girl. I just, she's got she to pee her pants. She started yelling at me. Sir, you didn't check in. I'm like, oh my gosh, here's my thing. I'm checking in and she's like taking extra long to check me in. I'm like, I'm trying to watch my daughter make sure, you know, she's in the bath. And I'm like, ma'am, are you not? And then I finally said, what is your values? What's your company? Not your values, because I can tell what your values are. I didn't say that. I thought it. Tell me you don't think like that. No, y'all are nice what are your values? But she didn't have, So then later I went and found a manager. I said, sir, I was trying to take my daughter to the bathroom. This, I mean, I have access. I just didn't. And, and she needed to go. She didn't pee her pants. And this way, ha- oh, I'm so sorry. I said, what are your values? He goes, safety, kindness, acceptance. So great. He said, I'll go talk to her. See, if the, if the values of Christ aren't are not in us, we don't represent him. Right. So these are the values that we see in Jesus. Look, you can in Jesus, you can find perfect theology in Jesus. You can find perfect love in Jesus. You can. So we just wrote down some of the values that we saw in Jesus, which go figure are some of the same values or if all the same values that we see in the first church. And so here we are trying to be the church. And if we're going to be the church, we don't need to read some new book. We probably need to go read an old book. And that old book might be really revolutionary to us because we may not see that completely in the new church. And if we're going to be his church, we're going to have to go back and look at the bride he left to be the bride he's coming back for. And so these are the values that we wrote. So the, so the one I want to attack today, and we're just going to tag it for the next month, okay, is, is worship is our weapon. I, I, I want you to catch this, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to preach this thing Tell everyone in this room, it clicks. Yeah. So because what is the point of talking? Yeah. Like, what's the point of one more TED talk if we're not going to leave transformed? Wow. Yeah. Like, we want to walk. We, we don't want to do, oh, worship is our weapon. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, I put it on a shirt, put it on a mug. But do we believe that? I remember, I remember uh, recently being in the hospital. I had a cyst on my body, and it had gotten worse and worse and worse to where I could barely walk. And I had to go to the hospital, emergency room, got off a plane flight, went in the emergency room. And I'm sitting there, and that was the night that our, um, our live stream from conference was going to come out. And we were restreaming the whole conference. It was the first night, 7 p.m., And I'm in the thing. I'm trying to get out so I can get back to my house. We're going to have a party with all of the leaders at our house and watch it together. And here I am in the hospital. I just got done preaching the gospel, went all the way somewhere, and here I am. I'm the one that's leading something at my house, and I'm in the hospital. And then I go to one room, and then they send me another one, and then the person can't solve my problem. They're like, it's it's worse than we thought. So they send me to the ER. How many guys enjoy the ER? Okay, good. Uh, If you do, you should be a doctor. If not... (laughs) you're normal. Amen. Praise God. So I'm in the ER. Everyone's dying in the ER. I mean, you know, and if they're not dying, they're faking it so they can get in faster. If you don't know that trick, you should know now. If you have a fever, you have a 200 point fever. You know, uh, your leg is just literally falling off, you know, just make sure you get really dramatic. And so everyone's dramatic. We're all trying to over. And I'm just like, I just want out. And I'm sitting there and we're getting ready. I'm seeing all the tweets going out for the live streams going to get started. And we end up, finally getting in the room, and right when I sat down at the room, 7 p.m. hit. The lady checked my blood pressure, and she walked out, and the moment the stream started was the moment I'm sitting in the room waiting for what's wrong with me, and it went from bad to worse. Every time someone would come in, what was wrong? I was getting a fever. We're worried it's going to get out in your body, and so we're going to have to keep you overnight and do surgery on you, and for me, I've never had surgery. I'm freaked out of stuff like that. We're going to do surgery on you. We're going to get this out of your body. And I remember that moment, sitting there alone. My wife went out for something to go say, out, and I'm sitting there alone with my phone. The stream is about to start. You see the little countdown thing, and people are talking on there. I remember in that moment having a flashback to getting the stream ready, and we pre-mixed all the worship tracks And so I was up till two, three in the morning the week before, uh, being inconvenienced, jumping out of bed, trying to, oh, turn up the guitar. oh, Oh, this mic was off, trying to get it perfect for someone to encounter Jesus. I remember feeling a little tired of doing it. And the Holy Spirit gave me this vision at two in the morning of someone being sick in a hospital room, watching the stream and getting healed. And I'm in the room by myself about to watch the stream I'm in a hospital room and the Holy Spirit reminds me of that vision. And he says, the person you were making the stream for is you. And I don't, have you ever had a moment like that where you're like, all the moon's aligned and you're like, God is like in this room right now. And I just said, okay, I'm going to worship. And so i mean i turned up the volume full volume while all the nurses are coming in i just i just whenever they would leave i just begin to sing and worship with the band i mean i'm i'm you know i'm masa i'm singing in spanish and i'm worshiping there and whoever's there is just i mean i don't know if they're just like man he just must be so nervous he's worshiping and i was just worshiping because i knew god was going to heal me god was going to heal me in that room through through worship see in that room worship wasn't my obligation in that room, worship wasn't for a crowd. Worship wasn't for the microphone. God didn't care if I was in key, on pitch. He didn't even really care what song I sang. In that room, worship was my weapon. I'm trying to tell you today, this is not Christian karaoke. This is not a feel-good moment. This is for when you feel bad. This is for when your life's falling apart. Real worship, worth-ship... Is removing the enemy from the throne, is removing fear from the throne, and saying, God, I'm giving you worth in the ship I'm in. Because I'm in some ship right now. I'm giving you worth in this ship. It's worth ship. Right? It's good. That was just free. That was only for the second crowd. I won't come out in the third. Might not come out right. Right? I'm, you know, worship is the only thing God cannot give Himself. Wow. Wow. Give Himself anything He wants, but He cannot give Himself worthship based on how He set it up. Because to worship is to glorify something higher than you, and there is nothing higher than Him. Worship is like honor. You can't put it on yourself. Someone else has to put it on for you. You ever meet someone that honors themselves? You're like, man, I'm just so awesome. I'm so amazing. I'm so great. I'm so funny. Look at me. I'm so beautiful. I'm so friendly. I'm so good at everything. You're like, awkward. (laughs) They're not, but... They're delusional. And even if they are, you kind of want to lower them sometimes. Right? Like, hey, have a little less confidence. Right? But but that person who is not not insecure, but they're humble, and then you cloak them with honor. This, This is God. God doesn't worship himself. He creates you and then gives you choices to worship him or not. See, worship... It's powerful. Worship, if, if you ever thought, wow, God, you gave me so much, I could never repay you. What gift could I ever, you ever had a person in your life where they had everything, and you don't know what gift to get them? You're like, man, if I got them this, they already have 10 of those. They have five of these. Well, how do you get God a gift? Like, what does God not have? Like, they say the streets are covered in gold. So you get him a brick of gold. And he's like, thanks. Thanks. Just put it with the rest of these bricks of gold. <laughs> You get him an angel? He's like, we got legions uh, of angels. And what kind of angel is this? This is like one well, that didn't make the cut. I mean, you know, what are you going to get, God? The only gift you can give God that he doesn't have is to live a lifestyle of worship. To be a living sacrifice. To, it's not just about singing. It's about a position of life. Look, look. Uh, uh, in America, I am totally fine with you picking up your rights. But in Christianity, you got to lay them down. Hey, look, there is nothing us, about us in, in, in the kingdom of heaven going, I'm picking up this right. I'm picking up this right. This is my right. This is, no, this is why we mess up church, because we come to church with all our rights. And then everybody wrongs us. I laid it all down. I laid down, my, I, I laid down being seen. I laid down having. I laid, I laid that all down at the cross. I died with you that day. Now you live through me. You live through me. You live through me. And because of that, I will worship. I will live a lifestyle of worship. I will live a lifestyle of praise. But worship is not my duty. It's not my obligation. It's my weapon. It's my weapon. I don't leave it to the side. It is a part of me. It's for when I'm going through trouble and trials and difficulty. It is my weapon. You can't use my weapon for me. It's my weapon. You have your own. This is why we got to open our mouth. This is why we got to lift our hands. This is why we got to dance before the Lord. You say, how do I don't get all emotional? No, you're letting your emotions control you. Lead your emotions. When they don't feel like praising praise anyways. Wow. When they don't feel like worship. Oh, if everybody's seen me. You, do you think God's telling you that? On, if everyone God. see you, lift your hands. And you might kind of look like that guy that's trying to be super spiritual. Wow. Be what if God was actually saying that? What if yeah. you don't lift your hands to me? You might look super spiritual. I'm really afraid of what you might look like. Wow. God's like, no, I'm a dad. Yeah. On, this morning, my daughter's sitting in her little chair. And I'm so busy. I mean, I got to r- fix the sermon. I got I to gotta make sure the PowerPoint's ready. I got to make sure I tell Grant the props. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get a coffee. I'm trying to, I'm doing, I'm trying to get ready. Uh, and, and my little daughter's sitting in her little chair, and she just goes. And you know what? I didn't give a rip what I had to do. I didn't even care if I showed up on time. I just ran over to her and picked her up. Why? Because when she does this, I don't really care what else is going on. I don't care what other jobs I have. That's all that matters. Look, you wonder why it's so hard to lift your hands. Oh, it's Pentecostal. Oh, I don't want to be too wild. Oh, I don't want to be too crazy. Come on, but I've seen you in the club. And you don't want to be too crazy? <laughs> I'm not doing that again. Because y'all going to do one of those looping videos. You're laughing at me. Look, you come here on Saturday night, no one's worried about being too crazy. We just got back from Vegas, I'm just saying. I was in like a taco shop and people are wearing their bathing suits. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Is there a pool around here? I don't wanna be too crazy. I want just, that might be a little wild. I mean, go up and down your road. Just, Just letting the devil know I'm gonna be wild. I'm going to be wild for G. I'm going to be call me crazy. I'm I'm asking dad to pick me up. Look. My daughter didn't have those thoughts. But I don't want to be too wild. No, because her concern was not others. Her concern was me. What are you concerned with today? Cause all I want is your presence. I want to be caught up in your presence. I don't want to play church. This is my weapon. My weapon. This is this is how I. This is what I do. This is who I am. I live a lifestyle of worship. Sunday mornings is just the overflow of what I've already done all week. I have this friend. Now be careful if you worship in your car. I have this friend that he began to close his eyes while he drives. I said, bro, that's weird. But I like it. He, got, he actually got in an accident because he was like worshiping. Like this. I think he's just blaming his bad driving on that. Right? But you can worship in your car. You can worship in your house. The greatest place to worship is when, when you feel like everything's falling apart. And I will tell you, the end of that story of me in that hospital, I did get healed. But I didn't get healed on my timing. I got healed on his. Right? So I'm sitting there, and they're like, "It's not getting better; it's getting worse." You have to go into surgery. I'm like, "God, I thought you said I'm going to get healed." Okay, I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep worshiping. They push me into the room. I'm spending the night in there with sick people all around me. It's a little bit freaky, but I just kept trying to. All right, God, I'm gonna keep worshiping. Sometimes, sometimes that praise is hard to get out, but that's the most powerful praise. There is a praise that will change your life. There is, if you, if you don't hold it in, if you. I'm not telling you, maybe in that room I stood up, but there was a whisper coming. at sometimes, sometimes when you start running at a whisper, you're still running. Wow. Come on. Right? Me, me and my wife's love looks different than the first day we got married. But it's deeper. Because we love through some stuff. We love, we said, ah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> my wife's like, are you demon possessed? No, it's just hard for me to get it out. Sorry. Right? I mean that's 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 more powerful love than I will live with you for sickness and health, richer or poorer, whatever happens, until we get divorced. Right? I mean that's it's a deeper love. If you've been running on the treadmill for a long time, your run may turn to a walk. Just don't stop walking. Don't stop moving forward. Don't stop praising. Your praise may not look the same as yesterday when you got the new car, when the new car broke down. But if you can begin to stir it, you might find that little flicker will become a flame and that flame will become a forest fire and God will do something. And then your worship will be even more pure when you got it all worked out, because now you're saying, God, you're Lord, even of my problem, you're Lord, even of my pain. I was in that room and I slept the night in there. And I was just like, had to put worship in my ears because I couldn't stand the groaning happening around me wow. and the death going on in that hospital. I just put my ears in. I went into surgery the next morning and I woke up and the first thing they told me is, we didn't do surgery on you. I said, but I'm in pain in places. And I got blood and they're like, yeah, we went in, but what we were looking for wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> now, if it were up to me, I would have rather not the surgery and the cutting and the putting me to sleep and signing the waiver that if I die, I won't sue them. I would rather not have all that, not spend the night in the hospital, but then I wouldn't have got to tell the story to you. Then I wouldn't have got to do what we got to do the next morning as we waited for the doctor who made us stay in there a day and a half because he couldn't get the guts to come and tell us that it was a miracle. I wouldn't have got the pleasure to say, sir, thank you for all your medical examinations that don't line up. But let me tell you that Jesus Christ was the one. We got stuck in there so long that I said, God, when are we going to get out of here? He said, he said, he said, why don't you just worship while you're in here? He said, Okay. So we said, Okay, we're going to get kicked out of here. They won't let us out. We're going to get kicked out. I was perfectly fine. They wouldn't let me out. All these things in my arm. I'm like, it's gone. What are we waiting for? He said, we're going to get kicked out. So we just said, okay, every person that comes within 10 feet of this room, we're going to tell about Jesus. Janitor peeks in. Hey, sir. Come on in. Okay. He's like, hello. I'm not a doctor. I'm like, we don't care. Can we pray for you? "Uh, Yeah. Okay. I got sugar diabetes. Okay, yeah, let's pray. And we, we, me and Robert were in there. We we're going to pray for the doctor. And then and we got to pray for our nurse. Our nurse came in. Then each shift, we got to pray for One nurse was a Christian. The next nurse was a, we had walked away from the Lord. And then she said this. She goes, after we prayed for her and led her to Jesus, she said, wait a sec. Are you guys from Fearless Church? I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm the pastor. She said, I've been being invited to that church for a year and a half. And I haven't been able to come. I said, well, God... Brought us to you. Two weeks ago, she came to church here. Your worship in the pain is your weapon. There's a story in the Bible, and I don't have time because of my timer to read it. You can go read it if you want. You can believe me if not. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 39 Paul and Silas are ministering, and they're, they're ministering in a city. And in the city they're ministering in, don't put it up because they're all trying to read it while I'm trying to tell the story. And then they got ADD and I got ADD. It's not working out. Thank you. (laughs) Is he? Okay. (laughs) Is it Paul and Silas? Okay, yeah, yeah, it is. You can read it later. Not right now. (laughs) They're in the city and they're ministering. And there's this woman that starts following them around. That the Bible says has a spirit of divination, or another version says a python spirit. That sounds pretty gnarly, but you know what a python does? It strangles the life out of you. And so this woman is falling around. She's a fortune teller in town. And so Paul gets irritated because everywhere they go, she keeps showing up and saying, These are men from God. And then she just <laughs> leaves. You imagine someone just stood up and is like, Praise the Lord, this is a man from God. And he just takes off. It's a distraction. The enemy wants to distract from what's going on. So the enemy kept distracting and bringing this wherever Paul and Silas were. And so Paul gets irritated. So let me just tell you, if you're irritated with the devil, that's okay. Paul gets irritated, and he he looks at this woman, and he says, Come out of her in the name of Jesus. And the Bible said, That very hour, the Spirit left. So it wasn't two weeks, ten months, 42 programs. It came out. And the woman was different. And the Bible says that her owners, she was a slave. They used her for profit and they would use her to fortune tell. And because they had lost their asset, they got angry at Paul and they figured out how to imprison them. And so let me just say this, not everybody in your life wants you free. There are some people in your life that profit off your dysfunction. And it could be your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Could be your best friend, in other words, they like you being a victim because they get to be the victim. They like to lick your wounds because then you get to lick theirs. I need some people that don't profit off my dysfunction. I need some people that are excited about my freedom. Right? And they, they had a good right to, to be upset because this woman made them over a million dollars a year. And Paul just took away her dysfunction and gave her freedom. And now she wasn't going to work for them anymore. We need to tell some things. I'm not working for you anymore. I'm not working. This is not working anymore. Fear. You're not going to be my leader anymore. Faith is going to be my leader. Right. The same fuel you used yesterday. We're not going to use today. The woman gets free. A riot begins to happen. These people, they start turning the people against Paul and Silas and they end up getting thrown in jail. The Bible says the first thing that happens is they get beaten with rods. And so what that is, they flip them upside down and beat their feet until they were bloody black, blue. And sometimes it would break their legs. And then they flogged them. It says they whipped them severely. So this this terminology is the same uh, terminology as when Jesus was whipped with, we've heard it before, the cat of nine tails. They called it that because on the end of the whip, there were nine different uh, ends, and they would put bone, glass, sharp pieces of rock, and when they would whip you, it would literally rip off your flesh. So Paul and Silas were whipped the same way. They were beaten with rods, they were whipped, and then they were put into the inner cell, which would have been the dungeon. It would have been the place of confinement. It would have been the place where there's no bathroom. So now you can imagine the cell they're in for preaching the gospel. For doing the right thing, they get put in the wrong place. For doing the right thing, they don't get a, what seems like a, a one up, they get a one down, or a 20 down. I don't know if you've ever been there, Finally, I'm living for God, and now everything fell apart. Finally, I'm living for God. I lost all my friendship. Finally, I'm living for God. I lost my job. I started tithing, and then I lost everything. Okay, good. When, when you follow Christ, it's not always going to look like it's going up. It might look like it's going down. Paul and Silas get in the inner dungeon. There's, there's feces on the floor. It's not a place you want to be. They are hanging upside down. There is blood and pain dripping down their body. Their, their nerve endings Sounds like what we go through in the church, huh? Uh, it's funny how we stub our toe in the modern church, and we're like, oh, my gosh, God is not real. He doesn't love me. Right? <laughs> these guys, like, what Wheaties were these guys eating? I, I need some of those. They're hanging upside down. They're bruised. They're beaten. The Bible says, but at midnight, midnight is the middle of the night. The, the, the word midnight is described as the darkest moment but it's also the darkest moment before the greatest dawn. At midnight, Paul and Silas looked at each other and they said, it's a good time for a prayer and worship service. The Bible says they began to pray and sing hymns. Because Paul and Silas understood that worship was not their obligation, it was not their duty was not reflecting what they felt it was their weapon and they were saying you may have locked us up out here but you ain't gonna lock me up in here you may have fired me out here but you're not gonna fire me and you may have rejected me out here but you can't control what I do. Look, we got to get some people that say, no matter what I walk through, I will praise the Lord. No matter what I go through, I'm going to worship His. No matter what darkness, even when it's midnight, I realize midnight is seasonal. Midnight is a moment. It's not an eternity. So if I'm going to live in midnight, I'm going to live as a worshiper in midnight. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. And Paul and let's begin to praise God. They didn't begin to complain to God. Their prayer wasn't, God, I can't believe you have us in here. Would you please get us out? Their prayer wasn't a complaint. It was a praise. There's two, two different kinds of prayers. You know those kind of prayers? Like, I can't believe this is happening right now, God. I mean, come on, don't you? I know you love me. I know you're for me. I can't believe I'm walking through this right now. God, do you see me? God, do you? This is a complaint prayer. The complaint prayers don't bring the presence of God. But when you begin to praise prayer, when you begin to say, God, you are high and lifted up. You are great and not small. God, you are big and mighty. You are strong and courageous. As men, we were made in the image of God. As women, you were made in the image of God. Who in here hates encouragement? You're like, oh, I just hate it when they encourage me. It's the worst thing. I don't want to be around anyone who encourages me. No, it's the opposite. You don't want to be around people that only talk about problems. There are certain people in my life, I just want to hang out with them, not because they're cool, not because we're the same age. I don't even care what, what, what gender they are. I want to hang out with them because they're an encourager. When I see them, they think I'm greater than I am. What do you think is going to happen with God? When you begin to tell God, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your kindness. For me and my wife, when my wife encourages me, it draws me closer to her. When she nags me, it pushes me further away. He said, Well, what are you saying? God's like that? No, I'm like God. I was made in his image. So when you nag on God, you're pushing his presence away from you. Because my Bible does not say that God shows up and is enthroned in your pain. My Bible does not say that God shows up and is enthroned in your complaint. My Bible does say he's enthroned in my praise. That he sets up a throne and says, I'm going to habitate here in your praise. When you worship me, Paul and Silas understood this. They knew they were in pain. But as long as they enthroned God in their pain, he would turn a prison into a palace. Wow. They begin to worship. And heaven begin to grow silent. When you worship heaven, stop singing. Wow. Why? Because God stops shouting people down. Hey, hold on a sec. Hold on, hold on, Michael. Hold on, Gabriel. Turn down the fire. Hold on a sec. There's, I know we're all here. Thank you. I'm so glad you see me and you're worshiping me, but there are ones down there. They, they see me dimly now. Uh, they, they're going through some pain still. They still got darkness and sin and failure and disease down there. It's easy to worship me up here. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. But there's someone down there. I hear them I think they're in the corner of that jail cell all the way. Oh, they're bleeding like my son. Oh, they've gone through some. St- oh, they're walking. Oh, I, sorry, guys, I'll be back later. I have to go move my throne. I'm gonna go set up my throne right in the middle of their pain. God is enthroned in your praise. So Paul and Silas begin to worship. And the Bible says the other prisoners overheard them. And as they begin to worship we read in the text that an earthquake shows up the doors fly open all the prisoners doors fly open all the prisoners chains break off because of two people's worship i wonder what could happen in your family if you begin to worship in the middle of your pain in the middle of your hurt maybe god had to put you down into that cell so the ones that are in the sale because of what they did could hear you worship. Maybe God had to allow you to walk through rejection. So the ones that have actually been rejected because they failed, because they messed up, could hear and feel the presence of God right where they're at. Maybe no one was willing to go, but God chose you. He sent you. He allowed you to be fired so that what was on the inside could come out. Sometimes in life, where, where's my fruit? Where's my fruit? Where's my fruit? Come on, throw it down. There you go. Here, th- just give me something there. Oh. Yeah. Come on. You're like, wow, he can catch. He's 40. He can catch. If I were to squeeze this, what do you think is going to come out? Nope. Apple juice. And you laugh because that's not possible. Because if I squeeze this, I know what's on the inside will come out. So when you walk through squeezings of life, and anger comes out, what do we need to do? We need to be changed from the inside out. Because I got the peeling of an orange, but anger keeps coming out. I got the peeling of an orange, but fear keeps coming. God, change me from the inside out. And maybe God is allowing you to be in close circumstances because he already knows what goodness is inside of you. He knows what greatness is inside. See, look, I was brought into that hospital room, not for me, for everyone that came into my room because God was gonna squeeze me so what he had put in me for years could come out and bless someone around me. I don't know who's listening to your life right now. I know you've been worried about why am I here? Why? No, why you're here is because God put you in the right place at the right time so that others could be released. You are in this predicament so you could worship for someone who can't worship yet. You begin to sing in that song. In the midst of pain, while your chains are on, and an earthquake shows up. But I find it funny that Paul and Silas didn't run out before the lights got turned on. I find it funny. That the guards looking for them, they don't they don't hide and kind of escape around. They go, we're right here, we're all here, and they turn on the lights. And Paul and Silas were there, and they were kind of freaking out, like, "Why'd you stay?" And then Paul and Silas said, "We didn't we didn't we didn't worship to escape. Worship is our escape." And then they go with the man. He tries to kill himself. They stop him from killing himself. They go with the man to his house. They're still under guard, but the guard begins to wash their wounds. See, worship will make even your enemies begin to honor you. Worship will switch things in your life. They begin to to clean their wounds, and they're under guard in their house. The Bible says the guard gets saved, all his family gets saved, and then they baptize him. Paul's still got the shackles on his hands. They're broken, but he's baptizing people. God has put him in this predicament for a revolution. He's baptizing people. And then as, after he gets done baptizing, the, the, the heads of the government hear word, what happened. And they send word to the guards. They say, hey, you can let him go. We don't want anything to do with them. The reason why is they found out that Paul was a Roman citizen and what they had done was illegal. You couldn't capture, flog, or imprison a Roman citizen especially without a trial. In fact, a Roman citizen could call upon Caesar to hear the trial. Paul was both a Jew and a Roman citizen. That's why God had set him up in the right place at the right time. Everything in his history was set up for these moments. And he told the person, he said, you know what? Oh, now they want to get rid of us? They flogged us publicly. So, so let me tell you this. Paul had some attitude. They flogged us publicly. They put us on trial. They put us in the inner dungeon. And now they want to hide us in the middle of the night? No, no. You tell that person who put us in here, they got to come get us out. Paul stays in prison until they get there, and the person who did this to him has to send him to freedom. Now, that doesn't sound like the actions of a man who is worshiping to get out of prison. Because even when he was released, he's like, no, nah, tell them they got to come get us out. We'll stay a little longer. Why was he worshiping then? Why was the earthquake sent then? Paul wasn't worshiping to get himself out. Paul was worshiping to get God in. The earthquake wasn't sent to get them out. The earthquake was set because God set his throne in the middle of that cell. And wherever God moves, things start shaking. And God turned that prison into a place that Paul wasn't afraid of being anymore. You know when you get real dangerous is when you say, okay, devil, you mess messed with me for long. You're, if, you're gonna, if I'm going to be free, you're going to have to come walk me out of this. Earth. You're going to have to come face me head on because you did this publicly. Now I want you to come. I'm not afraid of this jail cell anymore. You get power when you're not afraid of pain anymore. When you're not afraid of walking through some stuff and you say, I'm not afraid of walking through it because God has set his throne in the middle of it. I'm not afraid of being broke because God has set his throne. I'm in the middle of being broke. If I'm here, he has allowed me to be here. So I'm going to worship him in the middle of this midnight because worship is my weapon. say, what does that mean for us? Well, what are you walking through today? What has shut down your praise? Are you going to be the other prisoner that someone worships and sets your chains free? Are you going to be the one that sets others free? no more complaints to god it's time to praise the god of the universe who doesn't need to do anything else for us he is powerful he is amazing i got one gift to give him and i'm gonna give him his gift i got one thing i've wrapped up it's called my worship it's called my voice it's called lifting my hands it's it's called singing god i'm sorry i've gone through the motions i'm I'm sorry i've made it a thing about me god i give you praise in the middle of this pain i give you praise in the middle of this sickness I give you praise in the middle of this rejection. Come on, can we just, can we just do just that? Thank you for listening. If you have something you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com fearlesstv fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or to find more information about Fearless LA.